Welcome back to the Harden Up Podcast, your show for everything training and adventure related. You can check out our training courses at optempotraining.com or on social media at optempotraining. This episode is proudly supported by Loa Boots. The Optempo team has been using Loa's for over three years for police patrol, SWAT operations, and military training. For almost 100 years, Loa outdoor and tactical boots have been acclaimed for their extraordinarily high levels of quality, fit, and innovation. Boots such as their best-selling Zephyr GTX Mid from their Task Force collection has set the standard for lightweight tactical boots. We've personally run Zephyr Mids for SWAT work and extended ruck marches and can attest to their comfort and durability. Find out more at www.loaboots.com or follow them on Instagram at loa.professional. My guest today is a United States Coast Guard veteran, tactical athlete, and director of marketing at the National Athletic Series of Tactical Games. Please enjoy this conversation with Nick Thayer. Nick Thayer, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me on. Happy to be yeah, here. Yeah, man, I'm excited to get you here um, and hear all about the tactical games. Uh, my crew and I visited one. We'll talk a little bit more later about it, but we visited one in uh, 21, had a great time, wanted to reach out to you and learn more because I thought it was a phenomenal event and just seeing what you guys are all about. So um, looking forward to hearing about the tactical games, but kind of how did you get involved and like what, what's your background? And how did that, what drove you to, to, to this now point where you're at? Yeah, sure. So uh, I had started a, a nonprofit that was focused on uh, um, bringing awareness to, to veterans, organizations, nonprofits that were kind of underserved, right? Everybody's heard about Wounded Warrior Project and a lot of the bigger names. So I was um, uh, throwing monthly hero wads and uh, trying to get gyms from all over the country to join in. Um, and in one of those, we did an event at a 511 Tactical Store where we pinned uh, um, the um, uh, SWAT team in the area against the fire department and we competed Ooh. in a hero workout. And then the, um, the team that won got the lion's share of all the donations donated to a, an organization that they selected. Um, so during that, um, the, the guy that was managing the five eleven tactical store at the time told me about the tactical games. And I, I was like, Oh, that sounds cool. You know, I like fitness. He's like, you're going to freaking love this. Yeah. So I, uh, I went home and, um, uh, he introduced me to two people. I started talking with these two people who are uh, Nathan and Blair Drum, who are tactical games athletes. And uh, I bought a pistol like two weeks later and a rifle a week after that. And I did my first tactical games three weeks after that. So I had maybe shot like a couple. I had weapons proficiency from my time on active duty, but um, nowhere near the level that I I actually needed. Um, I'd been a fitness coach, a CrossFit coach for about five years at, at that time. Uh, I was very active in the fitness industry, but shooting was not anything that I was doing at the time. So, uh, I went out there. Um, I had a great time. I, I did a bunch of like the physical challenges were great. And I freaking loved it. The shooting challenges were excellent. So, uh, it was a cool, cool way to break into the sport. I just kind of dove in head first. Wow. That's cool, man. Uh, buying your weapons right out of the gate and then just going to the fan. I mean, that's, that's pretty brave, man. That's cool. I like it, man. Yeah. I, I had no idea what I was shooting and Jared tells the story because uh he came up to me my first event and we were talking and of course I had no idea who Jared was. If you you know, you're outside of the sport, if you're not in three gun or shooting, you've probably never heard of Jared before. But he came up to me, he's like, Hey man, talking to me a little bit and he's like, So uh, you know, how long have you been shooting? And I was like, Well, I bought this pistol about two weeks ago, so I'm out here having some fun. And, uh, uh, he said he was scared shitless and turned around and walked away after that. Oh so, yeah, yeah. Man. <laughs> wow. Well, you, you had mentioned that you had some time on active duty. So, um, in the coast guard. So, you know, I actually haven't had a lot of coast guard, um, guests on the show. I'm just curious to kind of like what your background was and how your time in, in the, uh, the coast guard was for you. Yeah. So, uh, I was on active duty for seven years. Um, I did nerd stuff. I, I'm a self-admitted nerd. Um, I worked on all the, you know, I was a Tron, um, uh, or a squirrel, secret squirrel. Um, I fixed radars, radios, navigation systems, weapon systems, uh, anything that, that was electronic, I fixed on board the cutters. So, um, during my seven year career, I was all over the country. I went, um, uh, stationed in, um, Jersey, California, Ohio, Michigan, um, Florida. I did deployments all over the place. So, um, I, I had a lot of experience while I was on there. So I'm just curious with that kind of a background, um, and now, you know, working on those types of ships, it, you may not know this, the answer to those questions, but 
in in the grand scheme of things in the world kind of theater where where does the the US land in you know radar technology comms all the stuff that's up and coming i'm sure there's data sets that we don't even know about you know systems that we don't know about as like you know just line level shooters but what where where do we stand in that and is that or is that just something that's kind of the same all over the world um well so i i won't get too deep into this but i'll sure. go uh, i'll go deep enough Good. um so after I got out of the military, I was recruited to work for a defense contractor, and I did a lot of that stuff. Um, and we have some very, very cool things that we're, we do. Um, and I say cool, some very you know unique things that, um, that other countries aren't doing. And obviously, we have uh, ITAR restrictions and trade restrictions for countries. We, we share some of that information with our allies. Um, but most of the companies that are creating these products aren't selling them to, uh, to anybody, you know, they're not, they're not selling them to Russia, um, they're yeah. not selling them to China. So we definitely, um, we have some pretty cool capabilities that we create in, in the country. Great. And that's kind of all kind of Naval based. Is that that realm? Oh, oh no. So, uh, the defense contractor that I worked for didn't just, it wasn't just sur- surface Navy, okay. submarines, airspace, uh, space, um, you name it, uh, we're, we're doing it and we're, we're leading the way. Got it. Yeah. So what kind of drove that question was I'm thinking for myself as just a, you know, a former infantry guy and now SWAT guy with technologies that we're seeing that we were like, we owned the night, we did this, we did that. Well, that's no longer really the case. We're seeing some kind of near pure, um, you know, threats, things like that. So that's what kind of spawned that, where are we in that technology space? So we still kind of have some edge in that arena. It sounds like. Yeah. 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 In the the boots on the ground arena, for sure. I, I think the biggest area that of concern that we have as a country is cybersecurity. Um, and that's seen, uh, we, we've seen the solar winds, a hack, and, and there's, there's been a bunch of things recently that have come out about that. So, um, cybersecurity is where we're lacking greatly. Is that tied into kind of what your realm of work is, or is there some kind of overlap there? Uh, yeah, most definitely. Yeah. There's, there's pieces of my work that, that are definitely influenced by cyber. Wow. Well, cool, man. That's a, that's a, a, a much different, uh, thing than the tactical game stuff that you're involved with now. So, I mean, like, man, what a different realm, right? Yeah. Yeah. But there's nothing that I love talking about more than the tactical games. And I think that's, uh, that's how I landed my gig and, yeah. uh, that's how I, I hope to stay. It's, um, it's absolutely my favorite thing. It's, um, uh, what I really love to see is that it's getting people that, you know, it's getting people off the couch, um, and not just people, you know, the important people in this country, and I'm not trying to invalidate or uh, play down anybody else's importance, but, um, our, our first responders, the military, you know, and, and our veterans are, are extremely important humans to me and extremely important to, uh, to, to America. Um, and, and we're getting new people that, you know, maybe came off active duty and kind of lost their way. They're finding a new, um, a new purpose in training for, for something that kind of aligns with, uh, what they did while they were on active duty, or if they're a law enforcement officer and maybe they were a beat cop before, and now they're, you know, sitting behind a desk as a detective or something like that. It's right. giving them a renewed interest and in, in getting them back and doing PT, eating a little bit better, you know, maybe, uh, cutting down on their drinking, things like that, that, you know, as a veteran, I know how, how bad that can impact people and how quickly you can go from that regimented, um, style of living to something that's just completely off the rails. So it's, uh, it's really cool to see people, um, starting to, to starting to write the ship and get down that path towards, uh, you know, a healthy existence where they're contributing and, and, and really, uh, helping one another out. Yeah, that's, that's a great outcome. And I'm curious just from your background as a fitness coach, um, and now obviously in the tactical games is it's easy in in my perspective, easy to take a cop SWAT guy, former military, who's already had that kind of foundational stuff laid. And maybe there's been some time break and now you're bringing it back into the fold of, of fitness and that lifestyle. How do you not necessarily sell, but how do you package that for someone who maybe didn't grow up with playing sports, their parents backing them with athletic endeavors, things like that, right? And now in, in their adult years, that's not even in their DNA. So how do you how do you get that person involved? Yeah, the, I get this question a lot, and it used to happen all the time when I was doing CrossFit. People would say, "I have to get fit before I start CrossFit." That that's like a that's completely counterintuitive, right? What it, that's like saying, "I have to find God before I go to church." Right. Like that, that's not how it works. Right. You, you, yeah. you walk in the door with an open mind and, and a willingness to admit one that you might not be able to do everything, which a lot of people have a really, really tough time admitting to, and they have a tough time failing. Right. If there, if there's a challenge in front of them and they can't, they know they can't beat it. 
and as, instead of attempting it, they, they'll tend to just pull back and then maybe, you know, go the easier path. Um, so it, it's really pushing people to say, hey, you might not be able to do it today, but today isn't the last day that you're going to exist, right? You're going you're gonna to start building on it. And next time you might be able to do it, especially if you put, uh, put some training behind it. Did you ever hit any speed bumps along the way in that kind of discussion with those people where, you know, they're, they're getting to a point where they're, they're at an out of breath or at a threshold level where they have never been before. They're feeling things that hurt and ache that they don't, they don't realize that pain's normal. It's just, it's just part of the process where they're like, Hey, that yeah. hurts. I must be broken. Do you have a way of, <laughs> you way of kind of like navigating that? Yeah. So, um, you know, the, the mind quits well before the body ever does. Right. So, you know, our minds are limiting factors. So a lot of people kick that, that pain threshold kicks in and they start to think, okay, now's the time where I got to slow down or stop and letting people understand where that threshold is and then taking them just a little bit beyond it so that they can see that they're capable of more than what they thought they were when they started. It's, um, it's really getting people past that mental, mental cap that they put on themselves. Was there something in your guys's gym or your facility where you had some kind of a primer for people to kind of give them some upfront knowledge or information prior to going in and just like throwing them on a wad? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. So we would go through, um, you know, an, an in-doc period where they would go through three weeks of, um, multiple classes per week, just learning the basics, understanding movement, um, and it, it was okay. It, 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 and this is not talking bad about the gym, um, or CrossFit in general. Um, sometimes we lack emphasis on proper muscle engagement and get focused on moving fast. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the things that I've actually really loved about the tactical games is the movements are much more natural to everyday life, right? Um, it's not very often that you're going to do a hundred thrusters for time in everyday life. But it is very often, you know, especially in my line of work where I'm going to have to bend over, pick something up and put it on the bed of a truck, right? right. Or, you yeah. know, things like that. And that's a lot of what we're replicating in the tactical games. Yeah, we, we saw that when we were down there in Phoenix. Um, you know, I expected a lot of CrossFit heavy events. Um, I wasn't sure what to expect. I mean, obviously, I'd seen some videos, things like that. But the stuff that we did see was very functional, uh, obviously had a, a touch of CrossFit element too, but I thought it was much more functional than some uh, banging out stuff for time, yep. you know, 30 reps, 20, you know what I mean? Where you're looking for these high rep things, it was more functional and just getting through this kind of sequence with some shooting. I thought it was great. Yeah. 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 And that's, uh, uh, one of the biggest emphasis that was started to be put on the tactical games in, in 2021 was about, um, creating a, uh, a movement, uh, a, a group of movements that could be easily judged and easily repeated. So whether it's you, whether Matt's doing the movement, Nick's doing the movement, um, the judge will be able to look at that person and guarantee, yes, that was a rep or yes, they, they dropped down on their chest, chest touched the deck, they got up and they got over the bar, right? It's very yeah. easy and very judgeable. Very cool. Well, that kind of brings me into where, how did the tax names come to be? I mean, we had three gun for a long time. We've got a lot of shooting competitions out there. The speed stuff's not for everybody. Somebody to me like, well, I'm just, you know, there's something there that maybe like a lot of cops, for instance, I know are not doing shooting competitions. Some do, but yep. I'm curious how that kind of synergy came together and formed the TAT games. Yeah. So, uh, uh, this is a tactical games piece of trivia for a couple of years from now when you're, you know, sitting back at the bar and they've got tactical games trivia on there. So when the tactical games first started, it was started by Tim Burke. Uh, and it was actually first called the tactical athlete games, um, which is absolutely terrible. And I'm glad that that one didn't stick around. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was uh, an ex Delta guy, seventh group and, uh, got out and, you know, kind of was looking for purpose in life and was into physical fitness, uh, was doing contracting and, uh, wanted to find a way to get others to kind of train like he had been training when he was on active duty and, uh, increase weapons proficiency and keep people healthy. Um, you know, uh, a couple of years ago, and this isn't to downplay, uh, what's happening in the world now, but, uh, veteran suicide awareness was a major topic that was on the tips of everybody's tongue, right? We were doing 22 push up challenges and things like that. Um, and Tim was really trying to find a way to, to help veterans, um, and the guys on active duty kind of share knowledge between one another. And, uh, you know, it, it's almost like, um, from unit to unit, you know, when you have somebody transfer into a new unit, they come in with something that they maybe learned at their previous unit. And it's something that, you know, your unit had never done before. It could be a yeah. PT standard, could be anything like that. So, um, transfer of knowledge was a big thing for him as well. Got it. So did, how long has it been around? Overall? Uh, 2019. 2019? Okay. Okay. Yeah, so, um, so fairly new, still kind of coming up, right? 
Correct. Yeah. So Jared, Jared Halbert, the current owner, he purchased the company at the beginning of last year. So I think uh, we'll call it January of 2021. Got it. And I, I mean, just from an outsider's perspective, looking at the games, it looks like obviously there's a lot of logistics, things that are going on. How did that, did it take a while to kind of get that flow together and get all the pieces in place to make it an easily transferable event place to place? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. It's trial and error. And, and, you know, we've got a couple, you know, we'll say 10,000 use cases now over the past couple of years about what works and what doesn't work, how scoring is actually supposed to be right. So it's very important to us that you're paying for a weekend of competition that you're going to be held to the same standard as the person next to you and that your scores are going to be reflective of that. Right. So Jared's very much about the, you get points or, um, time based on the work that you've performed. Uh, so, you know, you, you know, at the end of the day, your score is reflective of the work that you did. Yeah. So from um, another outsider perspective is when you're going to sign up for the tactical games, you're looking at these divisions and you can kind of probably walk us through the divisions. Um, some of the, the guys I went with had a difficult time choosing where they should, you know, self-select to be, uh, competing yep. at, you know, cause like that, they think, Hey, I'm an elite this, but maybe you're not an elite, uh, you know, CrossFit athlete or, you know what I mean? So they had a hard time. So can you kind of break down what those categories look like? Yeah, sure. And, um, this is a good question. Last year, it was a little bit difficult, right? We had two classes, really. We had intermediate and we had elite and that was it. And the weight difference between intermediate and elite was aggressive. So people, you know, if they were uncomfortable with the fitness side of it, but maybe were proficient shooters, weren't necessarily making that jump in. We had an intermediate optics division last year as well, but the weight didn't change from the intermediate. All it did was add uh, the, the ability to shoot red dots. So this year, um, we've gone into uh, three divisions um, just for the individuals. So we have the intermediate division, which would be, you know, you're just coming in. You're really just starting to work out. You're starting your fitness journey or you're, you, you know, you're into it a little bit. Maybe you've been working out for about a year and you're, you know, you, you can move some weight around and, and you have pretty good body awareness. Um, the tactical division, which is new this year, um, the tactical division is really for the guys that are <clears throat> on active duty or law enforcement officers that want to run their duty weapons. Um, so we're allowing red dots on, in the tactical division. Um, the weights are going to be higher than intermediate, but not quite to the level of elite, right? So um, for this, I would say if you can, if you've done a, a, a CrossFit workout, like one of the traditional girl wads, if you can finish that in the time frame that's like, okay, I'm not terrible, but I'm not an elite athlete, right? So kind of that typical, um, you know, middle of the pack athlete, um, for the elite division. Um, when you collect the box that says I'm an elite athlete, we're going to challenge you and you're going to get pushed, right? It's like, yeah. it's no bullshit. It is you show up and whatever challenges in front of you, you're either going to do it or you're not going to be able to do it. And, um, some people have a tough time with that. They come in with egos. They come in having been told that they were special for a long time. And I'm not just talking about the soft guys. I'm talking about a lot of people that come in from, you know, whether it's a, an elite military unit or, or, uh, obstacle course pro racing pros, um, you know, any, any other professional athlete that comes in, they think that, Hey, I can do this. And then they get a 250 pound sandbag slammed in their face. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh shit, this is real. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've got to pick up 400 pounds on a farmer's carry. Um, it, it's, you know, stuff like that. We, we challenge people, but that's not to say it's all heavy stuff either. Right. Um, at nationals last year, they did a 12 mile ruck to start yeah. out the first day of competition. Awesome. Uh, so there's, you know, there's, it's a good test of skills all the way around. And that's for every one of the divisions, intermediate tactical and elite. Um, you're going to get all of your skills tested and we don't allow for specialists. So there's a lot of opportunity for, uh, for people to, to grow in this. Okay. So, so three, um, categories. So there's not really your, your typical beginner category or entry level. It's just, you got to jump right into intermediate. And intermediate is what I would consider to be the entry level category. Um, okay. you'll, you'll see that, um, <clears throat> The weights on there are very approachable, very doable. Mm -hmm. As long as you're an able-bodied human, you're going to okay. be able to get there. Okay. And does that mirror on both sides, the men and the women's? It does. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And is there any kind of event where you take, you want, you got five guys from a, a firehouse or a police station, they want to go out and do it. Is there a team style, uh, anything like that? So we do actually, uh, this year we have um, the team division at every event too. So the team division is it, you can have a same sex team. You can have all female team. You can have an all male team, um, or you can have a co-ed team. Um, and you pick your partner and you go in and you compete against other teams. One of the weights will always be the intermediate well male weight. 
And the other weight will always be the intermediate female weight. Um, so if you did say, you know, Matt and I were going out to compete, Matt's way more fit than I am. And I think I can handle the women's barbell. Him and I can go out and, and get after that together. Got it. And that's, is that a size from like a two man team or two person team all the way up to what size? It, it is only for two people. Oh, two, got you. Okay. Two team. Got yeah. it. Got it. And then we have, a, we have master's divisions as well. Um, so for the master's divisions, it's uh, um, 40 to 50 and then yes. 50. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, 50 yeah. plus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know all about the masters. Yeah. And those guys were no uh, slackers, by the way. They were uh, getting uh, our, after it, man. Our, our 50 plus division might be the most competitive division of all of them. It, really? it is. You go into any event and you're never quite sure who's going to win. There's, there's a couple guys that kind of hang out at the top, but other than that, it's, it's always a, it's always a crapshoot, which is pretty cool to see. Yeah. So what, what is the biggest overall grouping? So like in Phoenix, what was the biggest category out there? Intermediate, Intermediate for sure. It, okay. Yeah. It's always people that are coming out for the first time that are really excited to just try a new sport, try something new, get after, uh, just get after it. And, uh, I would say roughly 50% of the field, um, is made up by intermediate. Got it. Yeah. We did definitely had a lot of heats out there. Um, man, but I mean, the, the, what we had there, I know you change it after for each city you guys go to, but what you guys set up out there was great where there was a run involved. Um, it wasn't all about weights. You know what I mean? There's some yep. cardio aspect to it, man. I, I like that. Cause some of us, and I kind of feel like I'm in that camp is I'm not a big heavy weight pusher. I'm not a distance runner, but I'm somewhere I can do both a little bit. Right. Yep. Uh, scale yep. down on the weight, scale down on the run, but I can kind of, you know what I mean? So I thought it was great. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's the intention behind it, right? To, to be a well-rounded athlete, you need to do you, we will never have a one rep max lift anything. We will never have a, a, a 26 mile endurance run. We're always going to try to find that middle ground where a guy can show up and he can, you know, maybe he's got a, a seven minute mile and he's got a, a, a 300 pound back squat. He's still going to be competitive as long as he can hear he or she. And I, I keep on saying he, as long as the athlete can shoot, um, they're going to be competitive in the, in the sport. Great. Um, so the team uh, division is new this year. Are there any other new divisions besides team? The tactical division was a new, Oh, one. the tactical yeah, is new as well. Yeah, so tactical yeah. team. Um, and I think you mentioned, uh, another division, uh, an adaptive division. That's so, yeah, two of our events this year, we're going to have, um, and, and uh, we, we've been a little bit slack ass on this. So I apologize for the adaptive athletes that have been asking about it. So our event in Oregon and South Carolina, we're going to have, um, uh, heat dedicated to teams of adaptive and able body teammates. Um, so they'll be able to get after it together. Uh, we saw this during our team event last year, which we put on in West Virginia. Um, we had a really, really cool team of, uh, an athlete who's in a wheelchair and then his able-bodied, uh, teammate. And they went out there and they freaking got after it and kicked ass. And it was really, really cool to see, um, you know, ha having, your legs taken away from you or being in a catastrophic accident or something, you might've lost function in your body. doesn't mean you don't still have that spirit and want to get out there and compete. Yeah. So we're trying to give people a venue to be able to do it. No, that's great, man. That you guys are allowing that category and kind of putting that out there. So people have a way to compete. Like you said, that's great. So at, at the events, I know you said intermediate is the largest category, but of all the people that are coming out there, what is like the, um, the types of competitors mainly you're seeing, are you seeing a groups of pro athletes and then, um, average citizen or are you seeing pro athletes ellie mill you know what's your kind of makeup of the of your event uh participants it is it, it is so well rounded it, it's actually pretty cool it, it's great from a marketing perspective for me right it's great to say like our sport is super inclusive uh but that's no bullshit our, our sport is actually super inclusive and yeah. it's totally contrary to what people the stereotypical gun nut right wing you know uh uh Trump flag waving. It is so opposite of that. Uh, you know, we, we have so many different people that are coming out, people of color, people from the LGBTQ community, people that, you know, voted for Biden, people that have voted blue for the past 50 years of their lives and literally 50 years. Cause they're 68 years old, right? Yeah. We've got the full gamut of people coming out there and the community is incredible. And there's, you know, those conversations don't come up. That's not something that people are talking about. It, it is people that are just out there to have a good time to shoot. Uh, the camaraderie is absolutely amazing. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm saying this, so I hope it never changes. I've never had to lock my car. I've never had to hide my wallet. I've never had to worry about any of those things. The community yeah. is absolutely a great place. And, uh, um, 
I could tell you hundreds of stories about times that I've seen the, seen the community kind of rally together and uh, uh, really get stuff done or that I've been personally helped by another member of that community. Yeah, I, I would easily agree with that. Um, when we were out there, I've, I've done my share of um, SWAT competitions, SWAT suiting competitions, things like that. And uh, those events definitely are a, uh, you know, everyone's measuring each other up. It's a different, uh, you know, climate there. We got to the TAC games, man. It was, it was very mellow. Um, I wasn't sure what to expect. Um, and there was a whole mix of people, but everyone was really friendly. And the story that sticks out for me is at one point, I want to say it was on, I want to say it was on day two. Uh, we, I had a, a failure on one of my weapon systems and I'm like, my rifle's going down. It, my heat's coming up. I'm trying not to figure it out. Jockey around, hey, guys. But my buddies are going at the exact same time in another division. And so we're trying to figure it out. The gal who's basically in front of me, the elite women were going in front of me, I believe. She's like, hey, just go ahead and borrow my rifle. <laughs> so I pulled my mags out of my uh, belt, had my own ammo. She had. She told me about her. She had a, um, you know, a variable optic on her uh, rifle. She says, here, this is that. I kind of set it up and... That was great. I was like, look at this gal. She just loaned her rifle for the heat to make sure I could stay in it. And I thought that was, that was phenomenal. I was really impressed by that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, just a, a quick run one for me. So I, I traveled quite a bit to go to these events before I was working for the tactical games. I was competing constantly. Um, from the first time, I think from the first event to the time I worked for the company over that, uh, call it a two year span, I think I maybe didn't compete in three or four events. I, I was literally flying all over the country, just, just having fun. I, I wasn't placing super well, um, but I was just out there learning and trying to get better at shooting. That was really, I wouldn't go to the range. I would go to a tactical games event to shoot and practice. God, man. <laughs> so I had flown to an event in North Carolina and, uh, I left work Friday afternoon at five o'clock, got on a plane, landed at like midnight in North Carolina, and somebody had stolen my bag off the conveyor belt. So I had my gear, I had my kit, but I didn't have any clothes. So I showed up to the range the next day and Jared at the time, who didn't own the company yet, was working. And I was checking in and I had bands on and I knew we had like, we had a seven mile run that was coming up as part of that workout and running that in vans probably would have ruined me for the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah. So I told Jared about what had happened. He literally took the shoes off of his feet and gave them to me so that I could compete in them that weekend. It's uh, that's just one of, uh, I'm telling you hundreds of stories like that. And I'm sure most athletes that you've talked to or talked to in the field will tell a similar story to that. Now that's great, man. So from the time that, you know, Jared acquired the the games and where you guys have come now has the, why it all changed for you guys kind of like the, the overall mission. Are you, are you guys expanding that mission to kind of like, you know, incorporate other things? Yeah, I would say so. I, I think the why very early on was really focused on, uh, um, on, on the military community. Um, you know, the, the, like I said, Tim was a seventh group guy. Tim yeah. was a hardcore ranger. Tim wanted that for the rest of his life and, and still lives at ethos. He's, he's a great dude. I'm, I'm not taking anything away from Tim. Um, I, I think that, you know, we still obviously care about the cross training, about getting people proficient with their weapons, about making sure that people are living a healthy lifestyle and making sure that, um, athletes are training, but it's also about familiarizing the rest of the country with the second amendment, really getting people to understand that like, Hey, these rifles are not just for military members. These rifle, you know, the AR 15, the scary black rifle is yeah. not just something that, you know, that somebody that uh, is kicking down doors needs to have. It's uh, it's a tool. It's a tool that's useful and that can be trained and that you can become proficient in. And um, who knows when you might need to use that one day. So uh, it's definitely the, the uh, support of the second amendment is definitely part of our ethos. Great. I, I know that a lot of people went out that were no longer, were not gun owners before uh, in 2020, obviously it, it just increased drastically. Did you see any kind of change in uh, participation in the tactical games at 2020 and beyond? Yeah. So definitely 2020 was, it was a tough year for everybody, right? We, yeah. first of all, everybody started hating cops and I'm not saying that in, in, in anything against any of the movements that were taking place. Right. But people started hating cops. It was just came out of the blue one night. Um, and then, you know, we were shutting down outdoor venues. We were shutting down everything. People had to stay in their homes. Um, we had two events that year that we had to cancel. One of them was in California. The other one was in New Mexico. Um, the scarcity of ammo, really, really screwed us for a while, right? It was impossible to find ammo. So, uh, we did everything that we could. Um, the 
company went out and did a bulk buy of ammo and acquired enough ammo so that every competitor would actually be able to show up and have something to shoot. And we didn't price gouge. It wasn't like, awesome. you know, you went online and, and you, you were paying a dollar around for five, five, six and 70 cents around for nine millimeter. Um, we were charging uh, just a little bit over what we were paying just to make sure the transportation costs were covered. Sure. Um, and you, like you said, I, I, I think the statistic was there were 3 million new gun owners, uh, uh, during 2020. And, uh, we see a lot of that reflected in the people that are coming out and shooting still to this day. They bought that rifle because they were, you know, uh, fear buying or for whatever reason. And it was just kind of sitting on their shelves. And now they realize, Hey, there's a sport that I can go and do. I can stay fit. I can be healthy. I can be in a good community and I get to go and learn how to be proficient with this thing that I have that I bought that, you know, I spent a couple of grand on that's just sitting on the shelf. Yeah. So I think that's a great that people are getting out the ones that, that bought it over 2020, getting you familiar with their firearms. And now you've got a venue to go actually out and train and, and shoot. Right. So yep. that brings me to kind of the shooting aspect of it. If someone has not been to a tactical games that has not been to any kind of shooting competition or has not competed in that, how would you differentiate what tactical games doing on the firearm side versus, you know, uh, an IPSC competition or a three gun or something like that? Sure. So, uh, I mean, if you've, if you've seen two gun, if you've seen three gun, you, uh, you know, just go on YouTube and watch it. Uh, tactical games is very much different than that. Um, it is a lot, you know, it, it, it's a good enough mixture where we do some two gun stuff, right? If you were at, uh, you were in Arizona, um, you did the aggregate, the shooters aggregate is yeah. very much quick reload. You know, uh, what did, did we do throttle control or did we do yeah, you had a no, barricade, no, no. and we were on either side of the barricade. Mag changes, rifle to pistol, but it was on the, it was a zone or only headshot, I believe. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, it's it is a good, healthy mixture of of what all the other shooting sports are doing. It, it gives you an opportunity to not only are you doing quick transitions and something like that, right? We've also run two gun stages at nationals this year. We ran a, a jungle run, which was cool as hell. Um, I'm not a two gun shooter. I'm hardly a tactical game shooter. Uh, I make up for that in my athletic proficiency. Sometimes <laughs> they make the guys like Hepner jokes with me all the time because I can't shoot. And uh, I'm like, Hey bud, you don't have a job besides being fit. So I've got other things to worry about during the day. Um, and he's got me dry firing every yeah. single day. And, uh, um, so we, we have a good mixture. I think it's, it's learning different shooting positions, learning how to shoot behind barricades, learning how to shoot behind a tank trap, learning how to shoot in prone, kneeling, standing, um, you know, in weapons manipulation. And the good news is that we're, we're being safe and we're doing it. Some people think our clearing procedures are maybe a little bit over the top. Um, but we, what we know is it guarantees that you're going to have a cleared weapon when you turn away before you ever turn away from that firing line. So your last round is going to go down the line and you are going to send the slide forward or send your bolt forward. And the trigger is going to be pulled with the weapon place facing the berm. Uh, that way, when you go to sling your rifle or holster your pistol, you know, for sure it's clear and your judge validated that. Right. Right. So it's cool that it's, it's much different because I saw a lot of different shooting positions, things like that. And I think my buddies who went down with me can, you know, say the same is they were shooting positions that they have had little exposure in. We, we do yeah. obviously, um, you know, barricade shooting and unconventional shooting in tactical training, but some of the obstacles you guys had there even kind of tweak that and push that a little bit. So I thought yeah. that was one uh, very challenging aspect. The next was how do you guys develop or choose what your target zones are going to be? For instance, we saw stuff like an eight and a half by 11, uh, piece of paper with a, an oblique rectangle through the paper or the, or the paper was turned to make it oblique. Right. 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 So right. who comes up with those? Um, it, it, I don't want to say it's ad hoc, but a lot of it, it comes down to the range. We go in with an idea of what we're going to do, mm -hmm. but little variables like that, we adjust from, from, um, venue to venue and from stage to stage. So, you know, some ranges, we had the opportunity to push the targets out to 300 yards, right? Uh, Utah is a great example of that. Whenever we go out to Utah, we really try to stretch that out. I think the furthest shot we've ever taken there was 425. Wow. Um, you know, which is really stretching the end of what five, five, six, or, uh, you know, when AR 15 is really effectively capable at Jared, will tell you different, but I, I, I disagree. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's just cause I can't hit shit from that far. So, um, you know, it, it's a good mixture and you, it plays to the range, right? We might go there and think we're going to use a, a four by four box at 75 yards and, um, you know, we, we go there and we test it out and it doesn't quite work or, you know, the hits were at, 
60% when we really wanted them to be somewhere in that 80 to 90% for that specific battle. So yeah. we really try to play with it and make sure that the physical portion aligns with the shooting portion. So what that means is we don't ever want somebody to be able to just shoot their way to winning a competition right. or for somebody to be able to be um, to out, outdo everybody on the physical portion and to be able to win. So it's really got to be a good mixture of both. So that, that brings me to the question that I, that came up for me when I was at the games is I'm seeing guys in there, I'm watching them and, and, and no judgment, but I can see that the person's not, they don't, they're not a arm professional. Sure. Like they're clearly as a professional athlete. So how do those guys get to the point where they can be competitive? They must have to, you know, spool themselves up on shooting, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've had, and we continue to have guys come out from that are professional athletes, legitimate professional athletes that get paid to do what they do. And they're fantastic at what they do. Um, but they have to adapt to our sport and the shooting is the biggest adaptation that needs to take place. Uh, it's, it is, uh, you know, we just talked about it on, on our podcast. Actually, recently we talked about, um, PEDs, um, there's no pill that you can take or shot that you can take. That's going to teach you how to shoot. That comes with time. That comes with practice. That comes with, you just, you should see my goofy ass just sitting in my garage, dry firing in between reps when I'm working out, my girlfriend will walk in the kitchen and I'm sitting here dry firing reps. It's just, uh, I've gotten a lot of looks from dry firing in my house. I'll say that, but that's sure. the only way that I know that I can get better at shooting. And I've seen that actually materialize uh, when I do go to the range. Yeah. You've got to put the work in. There's no way around it to get better. hundred percent. I agree. So that leads me obviously to my next question, which is <laughs> how, how does, how does the, the average person or even the intermediate tack uh, division, how do they best prepare? They've never been to attack games. How would you suggest Hey, here's how to prepare. Here's what maybe some kit to look at things like that. Sure. Uh, spectating is a, is a good one coming out. You know, we, we've got a YouTube channel for a reason. It's to familiarize people with what we do. And we, uh, we do a lot on there to kind of show you, here's what a full battle will look like. Here's some sizzle reels and here's the cool guy shit, but here's also what a full battle would look like. Uh -huh. Here's um gear check. Here's, uh, you know, what the check-in procedures are. Here's what weapons clearing procedures are. So we've got a lot of information on YouTube. Um, that's to kind of familiarize yourself to get yourself mentally aware of what's going on. Um, other than that, man, Instagram's a great opportunity too. And uh, we've got a lot of athletes that are out there doing really good content. Um, our training app. So we actually have a training app with, uh, um, some of the best coaches that I know that exist out there that are writing programming. Zach Forrest, uh, he heads up our training program. He's a, um, he was a seal. He got out of the seals. He worked for, he's worked for CrossFit HQ for, uh, I want to say like 10 years. Um, so one of the, you know, another guy that we've got around is Greg Everett. Um, Greg Everett is really like one of the uh, fathers of Olympic weightlifting in the United States. He writes programming for our training app. Um, he's got some amazing stuff out there about how to get stronger. Kempson, I've run against Kempson. I can't tell you how many times this guy with a 60 pound rucksacks running like six minute miles, um, you know, and not wow. just one, like yeah. six of them. Wow. He's writing programming out there as well. So Very a lot of cool. opportunities. So I, I did see when I signed up for the games, the, the, the emails that we would get leading up to it saying, Hey, check in here. Here's some equipment considerations, some, sure. some other things. I thought that was a great way to onboard people into the sport. And I just, from a, uh, you know, from a training uh, company perspective, and we've done a few events, nothing to the scale you guys have, but seeing it from that perspective, it made me think it was a very organized, very easy to, I'd say, uh, approach it. Yeah, hundred percent. One of the biggest uh, problems that we, I won't call it a problem. One of the things that we see most often is guys coming in and gals coming in and buying way too much shit. Mm -hmm. They go online and they just want to just buy every single thing that they can find and then they end up spending a couple thousand dollars on stuff that they absolutely do not need. Right. Right. Uh, you know, just a bunch of cool guy stuff that they think is going to get them, you know, to the next level when, when actuality getting a cheap setup that you, uh, a cheap setup that you can operate efficiently is way better than the best setup in the world that you don't know how to, you know, how to do anything with. Yeah, I agree. Um, obviously we were taking stuff that we use on a day-to-day -day basis or for training purposes. So, and for us, we wanted to kind of see how does this stuff hold up that we are, we're using day-to-day -day yep. or that we just train range train in, right? How is it going to hold up with getting in dirt, lifting things, running, slinging the rifle, et cetera. And, um, for anybody out there who's listening that's on a SWAT team or tactical that does it for a living, I think this would be a great way to expose any weaknesses in your gear, the, the placement, setup, durability, et cetera. I think it'd be really good. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. We see a lot of guys come out there and they think like, 
Hey, you know, I've carried this, this weapon in my holster for a long time and maybe I've never drawn it in a combat situation. Or I've never drawn it in a lethal situation where I had to pull it on somebody when my heart rate was elevated and they go to draw their pistol for the first time. And it's like, holy shit, I, I couldn't get the thing out of the holster because my heart rate was at, you know, 180 beats per minute. Well, oh. now you're, it's not, it's not simulating a real world event, but it's putting your body in a state where you do have to react when your heart's beating out of your damn chest. Right. Yeah. So it's a good, definitely a great opportunity to test your duty setup. And a, a streamlined setup, I think you could definitely get away with some very bare bones stuff after seeing what I saw there. I mean, some people had plate carriers that they couldn't carry anything on, right? It was just, <laughs> it was, it was just the mandatory weight, but then yeah. they were doing it on the belt. So I think yeah. you could look around and still learn something, I think, and kind of go, Hmm, that's, I should consider that if I'm looking yep. for a slick setup or maybe I'm a, a plain clothes guy and I'm only wearing a belt and I've got no vest or, or whatever it may be. So that was very interesting on the gear side. Um, you and I talked earlier about, kind of how the tactical games are affecting guys like me who I'm on an active SWAT team. I'm a firearms instructor. We work out as part of our training, how guys like us go back to our teams and what effects those are having around the country. Can you talk about that? Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. So that, that has been echoed so many times in so many different, um, you know, in, in so many different ways, a lot of the SWAT officers come out and they, you know, maybe they, they came in and they think they're hot shit and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Come in with a little bit of an attitude, but prepare to be humbled because it's going to happen quickly. Um, and and it, it, you go back after that. And as long as you take from that, a learning experience, you're going to grow and you're going to come back and you're going to be better the next time. It's just the willingness to admit, Hey, I'm not great at this. How can I work at this? Not how can I get tactical games to change the challenge that they're putting in front of me to fit my training? How can I train to get better all the way around? Yeah. Yeah. We, we had a great conversation. We drove out as five SWAT guys and we had a great conversation on the way back. And how can we implement some of this stuff? We've been doing quote unquote stress shoots with our SWAT team, um, for years, but the way which we approached, I don't think we were able to get to that, um, threshold level that we experienced at the games. And we're like, how can we get this to the guys, not break them? Obviously wanted to be able to go on operations the next day, if need be, how do we do it in a safe manner, but get good uh, results out of it. And some of the stuff you guys had down there, as far as weights, a lot of sandbags, you had the, um, uh, sand medicine ball. I don't know what that, that's a proper term. The big one. Yeah, 150 yeah, yeah. the the 200 what what is that yeah the sandbags yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. those were those were brutal man um that's strong man bags yeah, yes yeah. those things trying to pick those up for people that are listening that have not done that and if you don't own one so i don't own one i'd never done it but i'd been training for weights similar to that but just that awkward shape of that thing i swear trying to roll it up your knees and pick it up and seeing guys struggle was like wow look at that and then in the elite that, the level i was like look at those guys i mean yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's uh, um, that, that sandbag, it, it will humble people very, very quickly. Um, and it doesn't need to be a lot of weight. Of course, you know, you, when you see a 200 or 250 pound sandbag in front of you, it's like, Oh shit, I got to lift this thing up. The 150 will do just as much damage. Um, try carrying that thing down for a hundred feet and then maintaining your heart rate and then trying to shoot at a firing line. Yeah, it, it, you're exactly right. It adds a whole new level to what you thought stress was on your body. Yeah. So we, uh, definitely bought some more implements for our team, yeah. uh, to, came back within like three weeks. We had a, a range day set up and we're like, Hey, let's rethink our range day. Let's put the guys in, in teams and let's set up these kind of like little mini battles for them. And what we did was we had them in full kit, of course, because we wanted to train in their, their duty kit. They're getting off our, you know, our TRV, our armored vehicle and they're extract going out, doing some sandbag work, doing some shoots, and then having to get it back into the vehicle as if they were leaving the, the site. Right. Yep, we just yep. kind of took what we had and what would maybe more operationally applicable for us. And then added some tactical games kind of like flavor and man, and the guys really liked it. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, I think our, the SWAT officers that compete are some of the, the best competitors that we have. Um, as far as attitude and willingness to learn from what, what's going on, they, they really, you'll find that they take a lot of it. Uh, I, I know staccato has gained a ton of new SWAT officers because they're yeah. seeing, well, holy shit, this is a great weapon that I'm yeah. running right now. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's the latest thing out there is a staccato for sure. Yeah. Well, we did uh, um, exactly what you guys did in our event, our team event in West Virginia. We had the first time an opportunity to do something like that. So uh, we had a 360 bay, and uh, we had a Tahoe and we had two rescue Randys in front of it. And we had a shooting iteration from inside the car, from the window, from behind cover. And then we had to run as a team, grab those rescue Randys, drag them back. We'll say, you know, uh, about a hundred yards and put them in the back of the van and then get in the car. And that was our event. 
that was a stage, right? Yeah. With a two minute, 30 second time cap that's and great, about man. a two minute part time for shooting. So, yeah. but that's a realistic scenario. So yeah. that's something that you would absolutely take back. Yeah. I love it, man. That's, uh, we were very happy to get, not only go out there, compete, see the event, but then bring stuff back to our team because that's what we're all about. We don't want to just go to an event and the knowledge or experience stays there. We want it to come back to better the guys that are working the streets. So that was pretty cool. So what, you know, you guys obviously are adding new divisions. Things are changing. What does the future look like for the tattoo games? What do you guys have kind of on the horizon as your vision for, you know, what you guys may be doing in the future? Yeah, for sure. Uh, growth. It's always growth, right? We want to, um, we want to continue to increase our reach. Uh, and that reach is not just social media reach, but also, you know, reach with, with local entities as far as government goes, uh, and really familiarize people with the second amendment and get people understanding that, you know, we talked about this earlier that, that guns are for everybody that, you know, um, it's not a scary black rifle. It's not something that, that needs to be feared. Uh, it's something that needs to be respected for sure. But it's also something that, you know, can be uh, added into a sport and and, ha- and had fun with. You know, I, I have fun when I shoot. I'm safe, but I still have fun when I go out and shoot. And I think a lot of people miss that. They think firearms need to be this very, very serious thing. They need to be treated with respect. Undoubtedly, it will kill you if you mishandle it. But you can also have fun while you're using it and, and still maintain that that balance. I think that's important. Yeah, I agree on that. So do you guys have any any uh, format changes or anything that you guys are seeing going, Hey, if we tweak some things, maybe this would be a cool thing for the competitors. Anything like that? Yeah, we evolve constantly. Uh, we are always changing. Um, you know, we were watching, uh, uh, the rogue fitness challenge last year cause it was in Austin and there were some ideas that we gained from there. You know, we, we go to obstacle course races and pull ideas from there. It's, we would be stupid to think that other people aren't doing things better than we are. So mm-hmm. we're always looking around and trying to gauge and learn and, and grow from others. And we take opinions from the field. You know, we've got guys that come from fittest ranger. We've got guys that are competing in SWAT roundup. We've got guys that are all over the place and, and, and gals too. And everybody kind of provides us some feedback and, uh, that's not, it's not lost on us. It might not be implemented right away or in the next event, or maybe even this year, but you might see it, uh, trickle in as, as things, uh, you know, as, as we start to grow and, and we can implement different things like that. Great. So it sounds like you guys are keeping people that maybe have been coming for the last two years, instead of them being stale and seeing the same thing, they're going to start seeing different events or different venues or, uh, you know, format, you know, changes. A hundred percent. Yeah. Last year was really about standardizing the sport and making mm-hmm. sure that, that it was constantly executable, that you could get out of there at a decent time on Sunday night when you were done, that we could get, you know, 200 people through an event without running until nine thirty at night, or, you know, you're seeing spark fly off of any, uh, of a metal, uh, a metal target as you're shooting at it. Mm-hmm. So, um, that, that's really what the focus was last year. We've got that down. Now we can start to play with it and adapt with it. If you try to make too many wholesale changes at one time, it's going to just going to be damn chaos. And, yeah. and uh, so we, we slowly implement changes. It comes about. Great. I'm looking forward to it. I'm hoping to do two events myself this year. I'm hoping to do Utah and Oregon. Uh, I got a couple guys from work that go up to Oregon with me. So we're looking forward to that. Um, cool. You better get signed up for Utah soon. It's selling out. I think oh, we've man. Got like 30 slots left. <laughs> okay. All right. Got it. Uh, so looking for the future. I mean, you know, you guys are making changes. You guys are adapting. I think it's great. Is there any um, events you guys have coming up in the next, like say quarter that are, are on the radar for people or anything different special that's coming up that people can look into. Um, we're going to be doing a pretty cool event at Brownells this year. That's at the end of, uh, 2022. So, uh, watch out for more information at that. Brownells has a really, really badass range and, uh, a pretty cool retail facility. I mean, they sell absolutely everything. So yeah. we've got a pretty cool one going on there. We are doing the larger team event again in West Virginia. Um, the team event was a fan favorite last year. So if you're looking to make your first entry into the tactical games, a team, um, dynamic is a really great way to enter into it. Cause you're not by yourself on the firing line. Yeah. So maybe you've got somebody, your buddy that, uh, that knows a little bit more about shooting. Uh, the sniper challenges are another big one. Um, so we've got four sniper challenges happening this year. Where if you haven't that? looked into those, uh, we're, we're doing one in Ohio, uh, South Carolina, I think Alabama and Montana. 
I'm good. If, if I got those wrong, Jeremy, okay. yell at me, but those are yeah. pretty close. <laughs> so what makes those different? What makes the, well, the team event, I know you've got a team category, the two man, but what makes the team event so different? Is it just teams? That's it? No solo? Just teams. Just really? teams. So you see guys that would typically come out and compete like, you know, in the elite division or gals in the elite division that now yeah. maybe are creating a co-ed team and they're going out there and they're just powerhouses. So wow. last year, Jared, Jared and I competed together. We were both like three weeks post COVID, um, <laughs> but we had a great time. It was yeah. Uh, it was a really, really cool event. It's a cool dynamic. Okay. And that leads me to sniper challenge. How does, how does that look compared to the typical attack games? Yeah. So the, uh, the sniper challenges, obviously we're pushing that shooting distance out way further than what you would experience in a tactical games event. Um, the physical side of it is not nearly as grueling in the sense of high end weight, but there is a lot of movement. You're going to be moving for the entire weekend. Uh, you know, we'll say an average weekend might have 16 different stages instead yeah. of the, the eight, the six to eight that you would see in the tactical games event. So, um, a lot more of a lot less, if that makes sense. Okay. So taking from what I know from the, the standard tactical games, guys are bringing one rifle on that. So I'm assuming everything is geared towards a optic driven long range precision gun. Correct. Yeah. 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 Yep, it, yep. You're also going to have to carry a sidearm though too. So it is a pistol as well. Um, and then there's different categories for the different rifles. So, um, we've got bolt gas and, uh, um, uh, there's, there's restrictions as far as calibers too, but yeah. it's, uh, it's really to stretch it out. And there's a team portion of that. So you can compete as a solo, um, competitor, or you can have a, a teammate for sniper challenge. Oh, that's really cool, man. Because it'd be great to have someone with you, you know, shooting, giving you some extra advice on dope or whatever it may be, you know? Yep. yep. And that's the whole intention behind it. And, uh, you, you'll have a mixed bag there where you'll have one guy shooting bolt, one guy shooting gas. So, you know, mixing the ranges up, it's pretty cool. Very cool. Is that the first year you guys are doing the sniper challenges? We did one last year and everybody that competed in it immediately said, you guys need to continue to do this all the time. They had an absolute blast we did it at Revely peak ranch where we did the national championship and people were just they were floored by it so uh jeremy moore who's like jeremy moore uh used to own triple c he's, uh, he's been around the three gun community for a very very long time um he uh, uh he's the match director for the sniper challenge it was kind of his baby his brainchild mm-hmm. so we're taking it into the tactical community there might be another uh, uh another thing that we've got in the works too that we're not going to talk about yet but okay. uh, we've definitely got um another cool format that we're going to be adding this year. Awesome, Nick. Man, what a great intro and background to the the tactical games for people who haven't uh, you know gone to it yet. Go onto the YouTube, check them out. Can you tell us where can people find out about you as far as podcast, um social handles, things like that? Sure. So yeah, we're at the Tactical Games. Um that's the one that I run, so that's my absolute favorite venue. Um you can come on there and check out just all the cool guy stuff that we do and cool girl stuff that we do. Um YouTube's a great uh, resource as well, www.thetacticalgames.com. You can go on there for all the event information and everything we've got coming up there. And then uh, on all the um uh podcast channels as well, you can see some of our episodes of the podcast. Is it just the tactical games for podcast? Say again. Is it the title of your podcast show The Tactical Games? It is, yeah, correct. Okay. Yep, yep. Got yep. it. Great. So, hey, everyone, we'll put all that in the show notes uh, everywhere you can find these guys, find out what they're doing, get into events before they sell out like Utah sounds like it's going to be. So <laughs> very excited to, to see you again in an event, Nick. Thank you for your time. Um, you guys are doing something good, and I'm glad that uh, this is continuing on. So thank you. Thanks, Matt. We'll talk to you guys soon. 